0: My husband and I had tried five
1: years to get pregnant, and we were finally going through our first round of in vitro. They told us that we had to be there at 7.30 in the morning with the specimen in our hands. That morning, my husband woke me up at 7 a.m. We started heading to town, and I look at the clock, and it is like 10 after 7. And I was like, dude, you might want to get in the back and get started. He gets in the back and starts doing his business well. He had on this nylon workout suit, and it sounded like rip, rip, rip. it sounded like he was scratching records in the back seat. So I am like trying my best not to laugh. I turn on the radio to try to cover up the sound, so I'm not having to envision what's going on behind me. And Shania Twain was actually on the radio at that moment singing the song "Up, Up, Up," and I <laughs> I lost it. Then I could not control my laughter anymore. We are wives entrepreneurs, entertainers, executives. And at the end of the day, we are all moms, all at the same time and
0: never in the same order. (laughs) This is Hi, My Name is Mom, a podcast about motherhood. Here are your hosts, Jen, Corey, and Kayla. Welcome to Hi, My Name is Mom. This is the episode about sex. And when sex becomes unsexy and how we get our sexy back. We're going to have a really open conversation about a subject that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So we're really going to rely heavily on our friend Sarah Bryce to help us navigate this tricky topic. Great. Yes, I'm very excited to be here, guys.
2: Jen, how do you guys it. know each other? Well, it's actually kind of it's kind of a funny story. Sarah... One, if you can call it that, I never call it that. I know she probably doesn't call it that either. Uh, The Bachelor, the season with Charlie O'Connell. And because I was, you know, and still am in reality television, all of the talent from those shows do the sort of production company circuit after the shows air. And Sarah and Charlie were one of those couples. And uh, Sarah and I stayed in contact and we've been Facebook friends and Instagram friends and we've had (laughs) mutual (laughs) business interests through the years. And I just think the world of her, she's an amazing mom um, of three incredible boys and an entrepreneur and someone who is really into all things sex.
1: Yes. I always just felt like, oh my God, if we were lived in the same town, we would definitely hang out. But I do. I talk about sex a lot. It's so funny. I mean, my kids, I feel like they hear the word orgasm all the time because I work from home. And so they're probably like going to school going, my mom does orgasms. Um, So I'm a nurse. Um, I did labor and delivery. And then I got into the aesthetics world. And um, I took a job recently about um, seven months ago with a new company called Cleovana. Um, And it's the first treatment that's out there for women's sexual health. So it helps you have better orgasms. Oh, yes. And so now that I, because I, it's, it's what I do for a living. So now I just, it's on my mind all the time. And I can't wait to really get into this and tell you guys what I know and what I've learned in this process.
2: So can I just interject and say what I do for a living makes me not want to watch reality TV all day. So does what you do for a living make you not want to have sex ever or
1: is it no? It makes opposite? me, it's totally opposite. And I, have it's like your I've version always, of foreplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I've always been a sexual person. I've always been very in tune with my body, but this has taken it like to the next level.
0: Let's first talk about when sex becomes unsexy. For me, it was a very specific time. It wasn't my first kid who is six now because he was a surprise baby. So we were still having all the fun and sex was just like a part of our night-night routine. (laughs) (laughs) Then when we wanted to have a second child and we got pregnant pretty quickly, then went through a miscarriage and then started trying again from there. And it became a chore. It became a task. Mm-hmm. It became ovulation sticks. It became pressure on my husband, tie. I thought it was going to be this really great reason to have a lot of sex. To me, I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be so much fun. There wasn't one time that we were trying that it was fun. It was immediately unfun. And my husband swears that we conceived our youngest when he was getting up to do his radio show. He was waking up at 3 a.m. every morning and I had peed on the stick and it said peak. And I was like, no, no, no. You are not leaving for work right now. Like that should have been a fun moment, right? Of like, oh no, hey, come back to bed at 3 a.m. It wasn't, it was pressure on him. I mean, we were successful, but it just became something that wasn't fun. It was a task. The planning
2: thing is it makes it, it makes it miserable. Adrian and I experienced a period of like three and a half years of secondary infertility after Mason, before we got pregnant with Evelyn. And I was doing all those same things as you, Corey. I was like peeing on sticks, taking supplements and all this and that. And I didn't actually get pregnant with her until the day that Adrian was going to leave for the weekend and leave me alone for like a mom's, like a girl's weekend. We had sex the night before and I was trying to pressure him the next day and he was like not into, he's like, no, I can't do this. I'm sorry. It's just like, it's ruining the moment. Can't do it. Right. He left and we wound up getting pregnant with Evelyn, which was actually from like 12 hours prior um, so the the it actually I will say the pressure worked and maybe worked for both of us. it <laughs> certainly took the fun out of it. my god
1: for me it's I, I got pregnant really easy um with all three of them. I was not even trying for two of them, so it was quite surprised. I mean, I had three under three, but the problem is that when it becomes so monotonous and just so routine and boring, and then you guys know like after you have kids, especially your second, I feel like once you have two, things just start going a little bit downhill. Like you just, you don't feel the same. You, you don't like your body anymore. Your skin's weird. Like you, you're not comfortable in your own skin and it's stressful. Like being stressed out with these three boys, um, it puts pressure on our marriage and it's just, it makes it all unsexy. Like it just becomes this like, duty that you have to do and
0: it's just not fun you know it It does become you start to feel bad if you're not but you also maybe don't want to
2: right and then you feel guilty about not wanting to (laughs) yep like all of it after our second we became pretty staunch co-sleepers and by we I mean me and my husband could take it or leave it I think in like deep down inside he really loves it but on the surface he'll tell you that like having a baby and now toddler 23 month old between us every single night has literally put a wedge between us in the bedroom, you know, and we find a way, you know, we joke that like our shower is like our bedroom. And I will tell you, I swear (laughs) to God, I saw a delivery box from Amazon that probably has a shower stool in it if you catch my drift. So I don't, I don't know. We've, we've really tried, but to be honest, it has been hard because of all those reasons and because of of what you said sarah it's like it is this added pressure and burden and stress on our marriage and i want it to be anything but that
0: i still enjoyed sex when we were trying to get pregnant even though there was a mental stress and then once you get pregnant first trimester nauseous. You feel like you have all these digestive... Anyone else get real gassy first trimester? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you've had the stress of trying to get pregnant and then you go through all these physical changes. I personally had this amazing window second trimester where you have like all of that extra blood flow and sensation and all of that where there's this <laughs> little window of
2: like oh wow, that, this is fun. that Sarah, was fun. Sarah, do you, do you... Can you speak to that? Is that a scientific thing? Is there Like a real kind of peak in the second trimester
1: when women are just in love with sex? Totally. So, yes, because your hormones. So, hormones, by the way, control all of what we're talking about right now. So, the first trimester, your hormones are just like flying high. That's when you're nauseated, you feel terrible, you're sleepy, you feel disgusting, you're breaking out, whatever. And then once it starts to simmer down, you get, you even out. And that's when you get like your glowing skin and you start to feel better. And I feel like with hormones, what people don't realize is after we have our kids and we hit like 40 or even late thirties, our hormones change so much. And that affects everything that we're doing. um, Our libido, everything that we do is hormone driven. I mean, it's, it's so much of just the exterior that's going on as well as the interior for women.
0: Men don't have that. It's extreme. Don't even get me started on third trimester when you look at your body and you think, I can't get any bigger. And then you do. Oh, and and you then it do. becomes like a Cirque du Soleil act, figuring out how to yes. have sex. And your first trimester,
1: probably like with your first, did you ever have those, or- like the, um, after you had an orgasm, you have that spastic cramping? Did yes. you ever have that? And, yes. it, and it
0: freaked scared me out. Yes. Yeah. I
2: had spotting with it once. And honestly... I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, I had an orgasm and it's going to cause me to lose my baby
0: and this is horrible and I can't have sex for the rest of my pregnancy. The fear factor is very real. I'm curious if it got weird for your husbands. There's like the classic, like I'm going to poke the baby in the head, which I think is really like, I love that your egos are that big. (laughs) (laughs) Me too.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. If I was a guy, I probably would actually feel similar to how they do. Like just a little weirded out that here we are doing this and like I'm so close to this little window where the baby is and maybe she can see my penis I don't know <laughs> can you like that's
0: what I feel like is in their head no I'm sure it is
1: I remember with my first my husband being like um I'm kind of freaked out like did I I just hit something do you think he's he's okay and I'm like yeah no <laughs> it's fine um but by the third I mean he was just going to town he could care less I
2: realized recently that I think my hangup
1: is that I think pregnant
2: women are freaking gorgeous. Like their bodies are voluptuous. The skin is great. Like I just think pregnant women are gorgeous, but I never found myself sexy. And I think there was a big mental delineation in my head between I feel like a gorgeous pregnant woman. I feel like a sexy pregnant woman. I never felt sexy. So it was very hard to own that, you know, at, at any point.
1: Yeah. No, that would be tough. I mean, if you, you, cause you have to feel it. That's part of your being able to have your libido, right? Is, is feeling like you can be sexy and you can, you know, be naked and, and feel comfortable in the bedroom. And I feel like with every pregnancy, it got worse and worse. Like the first one, you're so cute and little and you just pop out. It's like the perfect, you know, basketball. And then by the third, it was like, dear
0: God. Jen loved when her boobs got huge. I hated it. <laughs> it just made me feel like ugh. I, I hate these boobs, and I had those yeah. those nude colored stretchy uh, yeah. bras that had like nursing stains. Oh, horrible. and uh-huh. ugh, it's so horrifying, guys. And my husband's like, I don't understand a bra that color. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand. It looks like a like a, my grandma's bras. They just are not sexy. And so, I actually got a couple of Victoria's Secret really cute, lacy bras. And that actually made a big difference for me. They weren't always comfortable. I didn't keep them on all the time. Yeah, But I had moments where I was like, I just need to feel I got this little belly and and I just need to put on the right clothes to make myself feel like I care.
2: That's a really good idea and a really good point, actually.
0: By the way, the nursing bra is like the
2: greatest sexy thing ever, right? Because you can just unhook it, yeah, all these that. nipples, and it's like ready for action. But they yeah, look- but that's when you're like, don't you dare touch these, <laughs> exactly. And they look like you know something you pulled out of your mom's drawer. So it's it's just horrible. It's it's horrible like crotchless panties, position.
0: exactly. Exactly. It's basically the bra version of that. Did you guys use um, sex to try to go into labor? Yeah. Same, and I just remember feeling. I mean, I, I, I don't even understand how these positions work geometrically. How like things get where they're supposed to be.
1: I mean, I feel like it was basically a lot of like off fours and on top. Remember, like I, I have a lot of knowledge about pregnant women, so I knew you could never lay on your back. If you laid on your side, you wanted to be on your left side. Like you know, I had all these ideas in my head, so that's a lot of what we did. Yeah.
0: I can't even imagine having that knowledge and then trying to insert it in a sexy it. moment. <laughs> like, it's not good. You know like... think. Oh, believe me. When I was in labor, I was like
1: controlling the whole process. Jen, I don't even know if you know this, but I had a hysterectomy, a full hysterectomy a year wow. ago.
2: You know what? I think I remember seeing something that you said about surgery, but I'm not sure I knew what. So, So no, I didn't know that.
1: So after my third, I had... Horror, and I've always had PMS, but I had horrible PMDD. Two weeks out of every month, I turned into like devil bitch. Like what does PMDD horrible.
0: stand for?
1: It's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Yeah, it would start at ovulation and go through the end of my cycle. So it was two weeks out of every month, and it made me. I mean, I was like, it was like a, I was bipolar. It was like a different person. I was short with the kids. I was you know, it was just awful. And I could, I I just, I went into my OB one day and said, I cannot deal with this. I know I'm done having kids. And so I just opted to have a surgery one day. I mean, literally I went in she was like, well, can you do it Monday? I'm like, yeah. And so I went in, had the full, I had my ovaries removed, the whole thing. And it's been amazing. Did you have to then supplement
0: with hormones as if someone was going through menopause would? Yes.
1: So um, the first few weeks were terrible. I mean, I was immediately in menopause. So like the night sweats and like the mood swings. And I wasn't really prepared for that, but I switched doctors and I got with one of my doctors that's a GYN that specializes in hormones. And I started doing pellets that they put in your butt and you guys. Oh my God. I did not know about butt pellets. They have suppositories (laughs) for hormones. No, it's no, they insert it. In, in your skin. The doctor so, oh does. Oh, my
2: God. Really? Yes.
1: Oh, it's not yeah. up your butt. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's where Corey and I both went. I mean, that yeah. is so funny, guys. I was oh like, sounds God. like a
0: sex toy, a butt <laughs> pellet. No. Okay. And so
1: it's like the size of a grain of rice that's not cooked. And they just make a little incision in the top of your hip and they implant it in. And, um, oh, my God. These things are life-changing. So it helps you. It helps your libido, your energy, your sleep. It helps you lose weight. It helps you with your mood. With the hormones, there's no reason that we should gain weight as we age or have like estrogen loss in our skin. I mean, there's so many things that we can do. Even men can do them. It's really, I'm, I'm such a huge advocate and fan. For me, I look back and I'm like, I don't want my kids to think of me as like this crazy, like horrible person that's mean to her husband because of my hormones. I'm not going to do it. I think that's what mine think of me. So maybe I need to be, maybe I need to be on this.
0: (laughs) So after you have a baby, obviously you go through this forced celibacy. You go through yeah. a period, no matter how you have the baby. Unless you're Tori
2: Spelling, I will say, she got pregnant like four weeks after delivery. So That's that is true.
0: right. Well, I know that if you have a really smooth vaginal delivery, you can start having sex again pretty soon. Uh, six weeks. We have yeah. six C-sections between Jen and I. So oh obviously, we have uh, we have a longer period of waiting. Yeah. But after pregnancy, you get through this, you know, four, six, eight weeks, and you think, oh, cool, let's get back to it. And then there's a whole new set of issues. It's it's not, and it's not just about the kids because that's a whole other topic that we'll talk about in a oh, second my. of trying to have sex when you have kids. But I, particularly with this second, after the second baby, I have dealt with a lot of pain.
2: I think you and I might've talked about this before. Like for, for me, it was like knives. Like, like yeah. so having sex felt like I was being literally shredded.
1: Well, its I wouldn't say it's normal. It's common, especially with C-sections, which you wouldn't really think. But there are things that you can do to help this. There are treatments out there, like laser treatments, non-invasive treatments that you can do to help this.
0: For me, I really didn't have any issues after my first baby. I mean, it was kind of, you know, once I passed those eight weeks, I was ready. Like I was ready to feel connected to my husband again. And I am a physical touch, love language person. So, and it doesn't have to be sex. It's just like, you know, his hand on my back or like, you know, any of him holding my hand, all those physical things are important to me, but it does mean that it affects me if we can't be intimate. I get real cranky. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so after my second baby, I was having way more pain than I'd had before. And when I went for my checkup, my doctor said, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. This is the greatest. It's more common than I think. But he actually said that sometimes when you lose your virginity, your hymen doesn't actually rupture, it just stretches. And that sometimes because of hormones and because of your low estrogen levels after having a child, it can sort of tighten back up. So when I went for my checkup, I mean, he literally told me like in number of fingers, like the the amount of space you're supposed to have in there. And I was like, (laughs) oh my God this is horrifying and i would be like oh cool like I'm a virgin again how fun is that lucky lucky tie unlucky cory is really what well yeah but you know what you'd be surprised at how unlucky tie too I'm sure because it was so uncomfortable for you for both of us and then when you've just had a baby you don't have any of that normal like lubrication that you'd have Mm -hmm, anyway and so the doctor had actually suggested estrogen suppositories but I have extreme reactions like the really low dose birth control pills that are supposed to have no you're supposed to have no issue with. I have extreme reactions. And so he said, you got a couple options. You can take these estrogen suppositories, which as soon as I read all the side effects, I was like, Ugh. or yeah. he's like, he's basically like, we can do a little surgery to just cut it. And I had just recovered from a C-section. The idea of having to go through any surgery, however minor, seemed horrible. And I said, well, will it correct itself? if I am having sex or if my, you know, if I do start cycling again and my estrogen raises. And he said, maybe. (laughs) And so we just kind of, we just kind of, you know, I don't, for lack of a better term, kind of like muscled through it for a while. And it wasn't until my baby weaned and I started having cycles again that just recently I went, oh wow, like that was enjoyable again. Right. But I still wanted that connection. I still craved that physical connection and I wanted the connection more. That I didn't want the pain. Yeah. Have you heard of that or is that rare?
1: Yeah. No, this is, yeah. You. I mean, I hear of this a lot. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's really hard because when you're going through something like this and you, you are that person that needs that touch and like I so relate to your story just because I'm the same way with hormones. Anything like people would say, oh, Sarah, I mean, I had an IUD put in at one point after my second baby, I had an IUD put in and they said that it had like next to nothing in terms of hormones in it. I went in there two weeks later without an appointment and said, take this out immediately. Like I am coming unglued from the hormones. Yeah. So, and it's good that you know this. A lot of people don't realize it. They're just like, well, it's just PMS and it's terrible. And it's just, I'm crazy right now. It's like, no, you have to realize that things that we're doing to our bodies. You know, if you can read your body, you're going to be so much better off. Um, but pain after sex is definitely a real thing and it's, it's really hard, but there are treatments out there. There are treatments for it. Um, there's vaginal rejuvenation devices now like lasers that you can actually use. I'll never forget. I had a, um, patient that was in her thirties, young thirties. She had three kids and she was like, I cannot have sex at all. And she was in tears talking about it. And her husband, it was like ruining their marriage. And um, she had this vaginal rejuvenation treatment done, this laser. It was like three treatments. Totally fine. Like life-changing for her. Wow. What happened with you, Jen?
0: Was your situation similar to mine? Well, not really. Mine, I think, because it happened to me after Charlie, and then
2: I didn't experience it after Mason, and then I did go through it, and, and still, in, in some ways, I'm going through it. Um, and you haven't weaned post, yet, so that could be a part of it. it. Exactly. Mine was more just a, a real lack of lubrication and having to use, like, some mm-hmm. sort of lube because it felt, honestly, like, we'd have sex, and it would be okay. It'd, I mean, it'd be great, but, like, there would be just no natural lubrication, and it for me, that made it really difficult and a lot less enjoyable. So we've sort of tried to at least like muddle through until I completely wean Evelyn. And then, you know, maybe I can look at some of these other, if it doesn't write itself, I can look at some of these other options, but it honestly would, no matter how much foreplay happened, it would always feel like someone was having sex with me with like a knife like yeah. it was. Yeah. I remember off. wincing
0: and not wanting my husband to know that I was no. wincing. Cause I'm like, if I can get through this moment and I mean, he would never want that to be happening. <laughs> no.
2: And what a horrible mindset for us. Cause I feel the same way that that mindset of like, if I can just get through it, oh, like that's, that's right. This is my fourth kid. It's my fourth kid that I've nursed a long, long time. She's 23 months. So I know I'm not going to have a crazy sex drive. So I do try to, shower with my husband when I can. I do try to give him a blow job. I just do. Those are like the things that I feel like I can do that are like more selfless. And I don't have right. to then have any kind of like inward grimace, you know, because I'm yeah. worried about the pain. It will come back. I know it will come back one way or another, either because it'll naturally come back or I will force it through some yeah. kind of medical intervention yeah. to come back. Yeah. But it is hard and people don't talk
1: about it enough. No, they don't. So this is maybe an awkward question, but, um, Do you guys masturbate? Of course. Uh, Doesn't everyone? Okay, good. So, you know, I think that's a big piece of this is that when I, I know that like when I, when I'm in a really good spot, my day and this whole quarantine has really screwed up my whole daily schedule in terms of my time, because my thing every day was that I got up, I got everyone to school. My husband would go to work and I would have my time to masturbate. It was like my time and love that. now it's all, work. But, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people won't talk about and admit. I think that, you know, there's so many different like ways of doing it, getting to know your vagina because a lot of women don't have set, don't orgasm during intercourse. I do if I have some sort of vibrator with me. Do you know how many friends I have that are like, Sarah, I cannot have an orgasm during sex. And my husband has no idea. And they don't bring, they haven't introduced vibrators into the bedroom. Interesting. That's mind blowing to me.
0: Yeah. That if you weren't, if you weren't able to orgasm, you wouldn't try something until you actually could. Right. And they just probably are faking it.
2: So do we want to touch on, After kids, two, three, four kids, how often are you guys getting busy?
0: I wrote down this question because I'm like, I feel like I am curious about. I'm super curious.
2: It's like the question you want to ask. Like there's some off limits questions growing up. My mom always said, you never talk about money, sex, and politics. Well, we (laughs) we talk about all three of those things, but seriously, like uh, listen, I will put it all out there. Like masturbation aside. I probably only have sex with Adrian once every two and a half to three weeks. It's, it's a long time. And, and we need to be back on our, like at least once or twice a week, at least. Jen, is that because of the issues you're having with sex or because of the kids? It's because of several things with Adrian now working in radio and having at least up until the last two weeks, having to get up really early, like two 3 o'clock in the morning, there, the bedtime for him was so early that there was no natural, we're both going to bed at the same time. So we always, Saturday or Sunday morning, whichever one sort of made sense for us, we'd get up, we'd shower together and that'd be it. Well, you know, here in Nashville, we, our kids had been off, we're off school for two weeks for the horrible tornado devastation and all the schools that were damaged and closed and then spring break. And we rolled right into COVID. And there has been zero, Normalcy in our house. Like, there's been no yeah. normal bedtimes, and, and Adrian's you know recording the show from our house, so he's going to bed later, and I'm still going to bed early because I'm putting a baby to bed. So it's just I think it's a lot of a perfect
0: storm of of nastiness, but I want that to end. You've got a kid between you, so yep. that's why you're using the shower because the bed is not a sexy place the anymore. The bed would be
2: so easy, by the yeah. way. And, and I will say, Adrian and I have been very creative at times because there have been nights. Hopefully, the world does not judge me for saying this, but there have been nights when all four of our kids are asleep in our room, in some pallet on the floor, on a crib mattress somewhere in the corner, for whatever reason. And you're like right? Shh. thunderstorm, and we're like, Shh. and we literally have sex with four children yeah. asleep on the floor next to us. We believe me, we've
1: all been there. have yeah. you there. gotten
0: caught? Have your kids caught you before? Never uh, in the shower, and in they the were shower. like, "Dad, stop doing that tomorrow." You know what's funny? No, I don't think they knew what we were doing. I think they knew <laughs>
2: we were naked no. in the shower together. And Ava kind of walked in, and she started talking, and then she started laughing, and walked out. So I don't if she knows or if she just thought they was naked. Funny. That's funny.
0: I think I do recall our six year old being like, ha ha, I see daddy's butt. <laughs> we definitely have tried to have sex in a room where our baby in a bassinet when he was very uh-huh. little. And then it just ruins the moon when a baby starts crying. The shift that has to happen for me sexually where a i'm nur- I'm
2: nursing. my husband is like totally infatuated with like breast milk. he's he's not the kind that's like grossed out or wants to be away from it. He's like all about it. But for me, mentally, making that shift between I have a baby that I'm nursing that's doing the same thing to this boob at a yeah. different time, mind you, that my husband is also doing for a different reason and for a different outcome. And it's a very difficult mental shift to make, and it has really Sad with my ability to be sexy in that, that like sort of postpartum afterglow
1: time. I think it takes three years. I feel like at three years, you kind of feel like I can have a, I can have my husband like attached to my breast at this point, you mm-hmm. know, um, back then I couldn't have, I would have been like, God, the reminder, it's just like a nursing, a human, like at my husband.
0: That actually does make me feel a little bit better. So my kids are five years apart. Wow. And it was a shift for a lot of reasons. Namely, we went back to having a newborn. And then it was the first time I felt this feeling that Jen has talked about. She told me about this before I had a second child. And it's that feeling of being touched out. When you have multiple children and you're nursing one and you just don't want anyone else to touch you. It's not even about having you know, your boobs off limit or whatever. You just like, it's like, I need, I need this to be protected for a minute.
1: I mean, I feel like that right now.
0: There's, I mean, I
1: just want to go like, okay guys, like I just need, there's a, there's a limit here. No one can get within the arm's length. I just need my own space for like a few minutes. When we had
2: one kid, um, we, we had sex once or twice a week. And now with four kids, I mean, seriously. If it's once every three weeks, that's good. And I think the intent for both of us is always there. But if I'm being real, I think it is once every three weeks. I think we really get busy once every three weeks. And that's not okay. And it's not acceptable. And it's not a long-term play. I think both of us know it's short-term. But before you weigh in, somebody said something to me the other day that I thought was really, really, really true. And that is our goals as moms is to make our children leave home in 18 years and not our partners. And yeah. so I, I like him literally trying to live by that. Like I want to do everything I can to stay connected with him and, you know, put him as first as first can be with four other little needies, you know, all the time. But
1: yeah. yeah. What about you guys? I mean, we, um, it's cycles. Like we will go through a time where we won't have sex for a month and then it'll be like, we'll have sex five days in a week. I mean, it really does just cycle and it depends on life in general and what's going on. There's no specific number. I would say on average, it's probably twice a week, you know, and then I'm traveling. Like I try, I, well, I used to travel for work. So that would have some play in it. It just sort of depends, but I mean, there's, we've had dry spells where neither of us were really that into it for like a month. I mean, I don't think it's ever gone longer than a month, but it's been like, and I'm going, well, because everything's just, you know, up and down. Now I'm continuing to masturbate. So, I mean, I'm good on that end, you know, sure. no matter what. Um, so that's part of the reason why I'm kind I mean, at one point he was like, Sarah, you've bought so many vibrators. I saw <laughs> <That's> <laughs> on <hysterical>. oh, <laughs> Amex Bill. Like, what is the <laughs> And he's like, what is Lilo? I'm like, oh, don't even look at that website. Lilo's my fave.
0: <laughs> my fave. I actually love the idea of it going through phases because it should have been flow based on what's going on in your life. And I think as long as you can get back to that connection when it makes sense for both of you, I actually see that as a really healthy way to operate for us. With the first kid, it went down to like, you know, it was like twice a week. And then after the second, well, then we were, we were more on the ovulation calendar and all of that kind of stuff. So we'd be like in spurts, like three times in these three days trying to get pregnant. But then it right. would be like, oh, no, we just like, need to take the pressure off <laughs> for a minute. So it became more about having sex around those fertile times. And yeah. then we obviously have had more issues after, after our second baby. But there's also been more issues on top of that. There was obviously the discomfort factor. Uh, my husband had, um, had double hernia surgery. Oh yeah. And so we had to not do anything for a while. And so then you get in the routine of not having sex. And right. then you're like, well, is it gonna be painful for him? And is it too soon? And all of that, kind of like after a pregnancy. And I think where we've landed is not far from Eugen, where it's like every two or three weeks. And on mm-hmm. top of that, another added layer is that I cannot seem to get my husband to have a vasectomy. Oh, and- me neither. And he says he wants one too. Mm-hmm. And so does mine. Total. And he keeps having these excuses. I'm pretty sure his current excuse is COVID. Well, you know, it's a non-essential. No, that's a um, huge thing. That's scary. I mean, after having three, I was like,
1: we went, he had a bisectomy scheduled two weeks after I had Max. I mean, and I was like, I drove him there and I hit on all the speed bumps pretty fast because he did the same thing to me when I was very pregnant. It
0: was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, man. My husband- he says he wants to have a vasectomy and and he got a little freaked out about it. But I think they think they're getting castrated. I truly do. Yeah. I think most men like, have no idea how easy what
2: the whole be. surgery really is and how simple yeah. it is. And because I was the one to take birth control for so long, because I did up until we started trying to have kids and then I've never been on it since, I flat out refuse to have any kind of invasive... Tubal or anything, yep. just because, like, if I had your situation, Sarah, where like I needed it for my own sanity and health, that's different. Yep. But just because, just so I won't get pregnant when he can have a very easy surgery, I totally refuse to do it. So I've left it in his court. I'm not going to schedule the appointment for him. He's going to do it.
0: And when he does it and he's ready, you are right. It will change our lives. I was actually, you guys, I was not the. I did everything I needed for him, but I was like a little like, okay, when he was whining about yeah. his hernia surgery, because I was like, I had to stretch out to here and then was handed a newborn child that I had to feed every two hours. Mm-hmm. And you get to just lay in your bed. Like, lay in bed. Do nothing. I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard this, Sarah, but Corey and I talk about it a
2: lot. And probably if COVID hadn't happened, this might've been something that was going on this month. But do you know that the most popular time for vasectomies is, is March Madness? No. Yeah. And a lot of doctors offer specials where, you know, you can go in and get snipped and then it's like you are forced recovery on the sofa for X number of days, like two days, right? So they say that's their like key time for vasectomy
1: messaging. So we did ours in April. So that's funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. And yeah, believe here, me, he milked it. He milked uh, it big time. Oh my god, I'll never forget. The, I mean, all the shades were drawn in the room. It was like so dark and he was like, "Will you order me that good food from Cindy's?" I'm like, "You're not really sick. Like, you're
0: <laughs> What would your biggest advice be, Sarah, in terms of getting that sexy back? and reconnecting with your spouse when you are overtired. And when for me, I'm, I'm all for a quickie now. I'm like, you know, I don't need all the things like let's have a quickie and it's satisfying for both of us. And then we can like watch something on Netflix. That's really how I feel. That's how I feel too. Completely. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I think that first of all, whatever we do right now in our lives with these kids, we have to have very low expectation. Just start with that. Right. And then You know, if you fall into that routine of not having sex for a month, then you become accustomed to it. And so do they. And so, by fall, you don't want to fall into that routine. You've got to at least, like, if you're doing it on your part um, with your vibrator or whatever it is that you're using, that's going to keep your libido kind of going. And that's going to make you and force you to be more open to those cookies and those situations. And then I think the other thing too is just the communication, really talking to your husband and saying like, I, I don't want it to be planned. I want it to be more spontaneous. I want us to, you know, have more sex and and really being able to talk about it and be on the same page. Like not like, Oh, let's do it every Wednesday or whatever, yeah. but you kind of start out the day and the day is going good. And it's like in the afternoon, it's like, Hey, let's, you know, let's have sex tonight or whatever. Then you have time to kind of prepare and shower and do whatever you need to Shave. do. Yeah, yes. I don't do any of that. I do not care at this point. <laughs> at this point, I'm like, unshowered. I haven't shaved in I don't know how long. I do not care. <laughs> and it's, neither does he. Um, especially in the house of quarantine. I mean, it's just not happening. You know what my
2: best friend has been, I will tell you. It's, it's no secret in any of my social circles, I absolutely love to read. And in the past, I would say since Mason was born, I became obsessed with like softcore sex books. My favorite I author, Audrey Carlin, she wrote a series called Calendar Girls. It is amazing.
1: I'm writing this down, you need You down. need
2: to download it. It puts you in the headspace. So even if you don't have private time, like I can literally just be reading that on the sofa while my kids are playing, you know, building Legos next to me. But n- later when I'm <laughs> with my husband or we're in the shower or whatever, it's like, I can kind of call on that and it is the best thing. The I'll best. never, I'll never forget. I recommended it to my aunt who
1: thanked me, <laughs> but I think she was like, wow, you are a freak. It's <laughs> It does help. I definitely agree. And there is a new, there's a lot of like femtech apps that are out now. So one of them is called meet Rosie. Y'all should definitely download it.
0: There's some Rosie. Rosie.
1: Yeah. Meet Rosie. And there's, um, there's a lot of like five minute soft porn stories that are audible stories that will get you in the mood. There's like daily tips and like, it's, it's great. You should, Check it out. That's awesome.
0: It's like finding that space where you feel like you're distanced enough from the kids and you are in the right headspace at the same time and you're not so freaking tired that you can't even like lift your head and make out for a second. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, but y'all still have little kids. Like that's hard. I look at it now. My baby's turning five. This is a different world that I'm in. Yeah. I, I,
0: you have a, a two-year-old, a one-year-old. Like, that is so hard. And now Jen is convinced that, you know, there's going to be so many extra babies during this coronavirus oh. lockdown and that Ty and I are one of them. I'm telling you. I'm baby bo- a new set of yes. baby boomers.
2: It may <laughs> <in December>. <laughs> <It'll>... <laughs> Maybe it's really January. I don't know. But whatever. Nine months post this. It'll be like babies or it'll be a lot of
1: divorces. I
2: think it's going to oh, go both ways. <laughs> 50-50. My concern, I don't want too much time to go by where like, we're like, eh, eh, and those, you know, those sort of routines and patterns become, you know, more deeply rooted. I, I, I'm all about, I'm all about sex. I want to bring it back into the forefront of our relationship. So I'm really glad we're talking about this today because I think it's really timely.
0: I'm there too. I want to have a good sex life. I think it's imperative for a good relationship. It's, you know, how you connect. It's how you reconnect. It's, um it's important on so many levels. I think it actually is important even for your hormones and all that other stuff that we were talking about, um, which yeah. also leads me to the question about the drug that you were talking about earlier. Oh, there yes.
1: One? Oh, yes, okay, so Cleavana is a treatment, so it's a device, so you go in and you get, it's a 10-minute treatment, um, and it increases your intensity and frequency of orgasms. Through what method? How does it work? So it's sound wave technology. So it's basically um, if you through the aging process and just um, through like traumatic experiences, like childbirth, you lose a lot of your your vascularity and nerve. You get nerve damage through the clitoris and other areas in the vagina. Um, once you have this treatment done, it's basically regenerating the nerves and increasing the circulation. So it makes everything heightened which is awesome. So, and that's where women are lucky. We can have multiple orgasms during sex. This has been a game changer for a lot of people that had sort of, you know, uh, I mean, even for me, I never even thought I had a problem with it, but now like where it takes, it would take me an average of like maybe five or 10 minutes to have an orgasm. Now I can do it like within two minutes. I've never had a problem
2: having an orgasm. With Adrian or with a with a vibrator, like ever in my life, it's never been an issue. But if you're telling me there's something that could make it even better, I'm kind of like,
1: huh? Oh, I'll tell what's you what's that? not sexy It's that tonight I'm gonna have an excuse to not have sex because I tried to do one of those
0: TikTok videos and oh. I pulled a muscle in my. Head <laughs> <and I'm- laughs> love to hear what everyone out there is going through i also understand if you're not comfortable talking about it but if you are comfortable talking about your sex life and you're willing to share the way you got your sexy back reach out because we'd love to know uh how you feel about it even if it's
2: going to be tmi for some people you know they're thinking all of it so it can Mm -hmm. be
1: tmi but they're still going to listen Yeah. I feel like it's, we have to start talking about it. That's the only way it's not going to be uncomfortable, but to look at these women that I know that are in their seventies and eighties that are still wanting to have sex, they should be. Um, Awesome. Women, we've been talking about men's sexual health for years um, with Viagra and all of these things. Women should be doing the same thing because we get the same benefits from it, but We have to be able to talk about it first. It's the only way that it will happen.
0: Hence the title of this episode, really. I'm bringing sexy back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the (laughs) subtitle.
0: Sarah, thank you so much for co-hosting with us today. It was so amazing to meet you. I hope that we can have a glass of wine together in person once all this. I
1: know, is over. I know, I know. It was great to um, see both of you and meet you, Corey. And yes, I enjoyed this thoroughly.
0: We're going to sure. give you uh, some links to where you can follow Sarah and everything that she's up to. And we should also link to where you can find, Clo- how do you say it? Clovina? Clo- oh, Cleovana. Cleovana. Uh, when we're out of quarantine, and in the meantime, you know, just get busy with your significant other out there. That's right. Check out
2: Meet Rosie, Audrey Carlin. What else we talk about? Lilo, lots of lots of lots, resources. Everyone needs, needs a
0: Lilo. Here, yes. Thank Great. you so much for listening, and make sure you tune in next week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to rate, review, subscribe. We really love the reviews, not just because so they help amazing. us algorithmically. <laughs> wink wink but also because we love the feedback uh if you have topics you'd love to hear us talk about let us know you can find us at hi my name is mom official on instagram or hi my name is dot com our website you can subscribe and send us messages there uh thank you so much and please make sure you listen next week bye guys your name is mom